Okay, David Arlock, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Happy Valentine's Day to you. You too. You too. You celebrate Valentine's Day in the house? Yes, we are, of course. What's going on? What'd you do? Um, well, you know, my wife left early for work this morning, so um, I gave her some flowers last night, and then I, I get one flower for each of my kids. Beautiful. How about you? What'd you do? Uh, usually when I, uh, when I have uh, the kids just breakfast in bed, you know, a little flower, just some, you know, I've got girls, so you got to treat the girls with a little love, you know, my, my, That's right. my boy doesn't care too much for it, but <laughs> girls love it, you know? Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. So, well, thanks for chatting, man. I love it. Uh, love working for you. I think everybody knows that I, that I do that. I had a transition from college into, fitter and faster and loving every minute of it, man. Just um, a blessing, you know, for my, for myself and for my family and for my swimming career and just being able to stay in the sport and be connected to it and, and actually feel like shape, you're shaping the sport in some way, you know, from, from the, the, the youth, you know, the growth period of the most enlightening period of swimmers informative years, you know, so that's great company to be a part of, very proud of it. And, um, and very happy to be working for you. And, and, you know, honestly, you've got a really interesting story. It's not just somebody that I work for, it's somebody that I really respect and admire. And, and I'd love, I'd love to share your story a little bit, you know? So, um, tell us a little bit then, David. So where, where did the, where did the concept of fitter and faster start? Um, hey, I lost you there for for a minute, and I just wanted to say, hey, you know, working with you is a blessing for me as well, and um, I enjoy every day uh, getting to chat with you, talk about the sport, talk about what's next, and um, it's uh, a whole lot of fun for me, and um, I, I just love going on this journey with you. Yeah, man, it's awesome, great partnership. But it's really interesting to me of like how how the whole concept of the business formed and shaped and and evolved and where it is now but you know take us back to the the beginning of really where the concept started for fitter and faster well um obviously the company has evolved a lot over the last 10 years we've been running camps and clinics all around the country for more than 10 years now but when we first started it was a lot of things that i was noticing throughout the industry um, coming together and um, really creating a reason for why I wanted to create the company. You know, the first thing was that swimmers needed to make more money, you know, so um, I mean, I can spend a lot of time talking about that, but that was, you know, one of the, one of the things, the other thing was that, you know, USA swimming, understandably so will spend most of its time and effort, especially back then, uh, promoting the biggest stars in the sport. You know, at the time it was, you know, Michael Phelps, Dara Torres, Ryan Lochte, other very, very big names. And yet there were a lot of extremely successful and talented athletes who really went under the radar screen in terms of promotion. And, and I'm not only talking about those who may have missed an Olympic team. I'm talking about those who um, may have only won, I say only, um, 
uh, which, which, which is, you know, kind of representative of the situation who may have only won one medal at the Olympics or maybe won no medals at the Olympics or, mm. or maybe they didn't final and they had great stories. They're elite athletes. They went to good schools. They were terrific teammates. They got great educations and they had a story to tell and they had a lot to teach and they also wanted to give back to the sport. So I saw that going on. I also saw that teams, um, uh, you know, it was only a, a few fortunate teams that were able to have clinics um, back then. It was usually teams with a lot of money. Usually it was run as a fundraiser. Um, and uh, they would be pack the swimmers in. And it was really less of a clinic. You know, to me, it was more of an extravaganza where you get to meet an Olympian, hold a medal. And um, it was really limited to a very few select number of teams. And it was also, you know, really considered then to be like a once in a lifetime experience, which, you know, if this sport um, is going to be popularized is the way I was thinking back then, it can't be a once in a lifetime experience to meet and interact with an Olympian or an elite level swimmer. It needs to be, you need to be able to do it regularly, like in other sports. Um, so, um, you know, I saw that going on. And then also, I didn't think it should be something that, um, you know, um, I, I, I felt that meeting an elite level swimmer, an Olympian should be something that um, any swimmer should be able to do. Um, it shouldn't be reserved for private events, uh, only for certain teams. So I wanted to create and I did create a, a company that was inclusive um, for the highest level of swimmers, inclusive for swimmers of all ages and abilities from all economic levels all across the country. And over the years, we've uh, worked to cultivate that product and um, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, crazy, crazy story, you know, in terms of the, the idea of it and then to think of where we're at now in terms of the growth and the potential and, and the size and, and the reach that we have with fitter and faster. But, you know, how does something like that get, even get off the ground? And usually, you know, when you think of that, it, it's like a, an Olympic swimmer going into branching off into starting some clinics and doing some things and, and mm -hmm. creating a business, but it's not really the path that you took. How did you get into swimming in the first place? Like why swimming? Why swimming? Um, you know, it, it's funny. Um, I used to love swimming as just a fan. Mm -hmm. um, my dad um, was a, a successful swimmer. He is in the Athletic Hall of Honor at Colgate University. He was an All-American. Uh, he competed in the Olympic trials in 1964 when he was just 18 years old. And when he graduated college um, in 1965, he graduated uh, before he was 20 years old, um, uh, his career was over. Uh, he had skipped a grade. He was born, you know, um, you know, he was young for his, um, uh, for his year at school. So, uh, he was done swimming before he was 20 and, and, um, you know, always kind of stuck with me that, um, you know, his career had to be over so young and, you know, around our house, you know, my parents were both teachers and my mom would sometimes joke around, you know, the thing that my dad was best at um, was something you can't make any money at, which is swimming. And that really, that really, really always stuck with me. 
Um, so that was always just in my brain and in my makeup. Um, and, um, you know, I, uh, dabbled with the sport a little bit, um, in high school when I moved in 10th grade to a new school, cause I had a pool, I joined the swim team there and, you know, I competed and, and did pretty well for the high school, but it wasn't, you know, anything super stellar and, um, you know, made a number of friends in the sport and, um, but I just loved it. I mean, I was a huge fan of, of Gary Holt Jr. I mean, he was a complete rock star, uh, Matt Biondi and, um, Jenny Thompson. And I just loved watching them race and, and, um, I was just a real fan. Um, uh, just a real fan, a real fan. Yeah. I mean, you're very passionate about the sport and you have an Olympic like work ethic that is pretty infamous within the swimming circles. You know, you, you're one of these people that everybody knows, um, can, can has a capacity for work and, and a passion and a drive. Unlike, you know, very, very much like an Olympic swimmer and, and you didn't compete at the Olympics yourself, but you've had obviously a lot of relationships with the, the top level athletes and, and it kind of started off with Gary Hall Jr. In the beginning, kind of take us back to that and how, you know, you, you kind of met up with Gary and how that relationship started and kind of kickstart some other things for you. So, um, in 2001, uh, well, back in the early 2000s, I was living in New York City, and I was living on 90th in New York, which is right across the street from Asphalt Green, and I had joined a master swim team there, and, and um, I started competing in masters, and um, actually was doing pretty well, and um, just enjoyed competing, and um, maybe about a year or so into, into that, the uh, terrorist uh, attacks on the World Trade Center had occurred and you know, a few members of our master swim team were killed and, and a number of other friends of mine and um, you know that was obviously a, a life-changing experience you know just in terms of my perspective of what was important in life for me at that time and um, um, so I won't go too much into detail about that, but I had started a, a, a scholarship um, in memory of two of my teammates who were killed in the World Trade Center um, in something called the um, uh, Swim for the Future. And we were raising money for a scholarship for Asphalt Green for deserving kids to join a swim team there. And um, through that, um, Gary Hall Jr. had heard about what we were doing. and. Uh, long story short, I had been talking to Swimming World, Philip Witten. I had told him that I was a big fan of Gary. And then one day I'm at home and Gary Hall Jr. called me on the phone and he said, hey, I'm very impressed with what you're doing. I'd like to help. And I'm also engaged in some other initiatives that you might be interested in. And he came to New York um, and um, I you know, I, don't, I, I can spend a lot of time talking about this, but I took him around. I took him to the Everlast headquarters. They made him a robe at that time. Uh, took him around to a diabetes hospital where he met some kids. And, you know, at the end of it all, I said, hey, you know, I, I don't know if even, I wasn't even aware. I said, I don't know if, you know, swimmers have agents, but um, I'd like to be your agent. And um, he was a little hesitant at first. And, you know, we, we, uh, we agreed to do a little something 
some PR. I handled a little bit of work for him. And then I started helping with the race club and that took off and, and, and the work became more and more. And I went down to Miami to visit him and he started to uh, convince me to, um, to move down there. And um, long story short, I did. Um, and he actually found my first apartment. He put the money down. He's like, you're going to love this place. And I did love it. And um, it was the start of a terrific uh, relationship with him and, um, and the beginning of my, you know, business career in the sport of swimming. Wow. I hope that answer wasn't too long. No, for sure. I mean, you, you have a passion for swimming and then, and then you now have this connection, but I know like from my own personal talks with you going back even a little bit further than that, you know, you started off in the business uh, world where I believe you were selling advertisements, right? For, was it uh golf technology trade publications? Yeah. Oh yeah. So, and, and you, you've told me an interesting story in the past about how you, you, you know, you developed your work ethic and, and the things that you did even in the early days to develop this crazy uh, ability to, and capacity for work. What, Talk me through that a little bit. Remind me of that. Well, I mean, it's evolved over the years. You know, I think my approach to every single day is different today than it was, you know, five years ago, as it was 10 years ago, as it was 15 years ago. Um, I like to succeed, man. I'm just addicted to succeeding. Um, I think if you ask anyone, they hate to lose. Um, everybody hates to lose. Um, but I think most people are okay with it. Um, and I, I think that's a hard truth that, um, people will never admit. Um, but, um, I'm just addicted to succeeding and doing extremely well. And, um, you know, I've, I've lost battles. I've, not gotten deals i've made tremendous mistakes that look to be unsurmountable um and you know um you know on a day-to-day basis you know you 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 get deals you you miss deals you have goals and you have to achieve them and um i'm just addicted to doing a good job um and and I knew that every day I have a chance to do a good job. And, you know, I think that's where my effort comes from. And I'm just extremely regimented about how I approach my weeks, my days. You know, I know what's coming up, you know, months, you know, hey, this month I, I'm probably going to have to be focusing a little bit more on this, that, and the other thing. And, and I'm just very... Um, and do what I need to do. And how would you relate that in comparison to some of the athletes that you've worked with? You know, some of the top athletes you've, you've, you've managed, you know, Matt Grievers and, you know, Gary Hall Jr. Like you said, many, many Olympic champions. What are some of the similarities that you see in them that you see in yourself maybe? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I mean, I think that even at the elite level of sport, you see a difference between certain athletes and other athletes. Yeah. Um, you know, the mental strength of certain individuals on an Olympic team even 
are not the same, you know, and whether it's mental strength or drive or whatever, it's, it's different. And, and they all have unique talents and skills and, and experiences and things like that. Um, but there's certainly a difference between all those at the top. And, um, you know, even when you look at the NBA, you know, I mean, they've all, all these guys have made it into the NBA, but there's a big difference between, you know, where Kobe Bryant was and, um, you know, just about every single other person in the league when he was there. So, you know, how do I relate? I mean, there's different things that I relate to, you know, Gary Hulk Jr. was a gamer, you know, like he, he had one meet that he really cared about as a pro and that was the Olympics. And, and he showed up and he, he performed at Showtime and he knew what he needed to do every step of the way. And he did it his way. Um, and he, and he performed, um, you know, and quite frankly, I think a lot of the modeling for sprinters these days is, is, is what he was doing, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, when people were saying that he was, you know, a slacker, he didn't work hard or whatever, you know, um, you know, he was doing it 20 years ago and he set the trends. Um, sure, so I admire that so much. I'm sorry. Yeah. I said hundred percent. I agree with that. You know, so, um, you know, and then with Mac Reavers, I mean, you know, here he was, uh, 2008, he, um, won the silver medal in the hundred backstroke, right? And then um, he went to the Pan Pack trials and didn't make the team. And here's a guy who was basically at the top of the world, you know, beast, you know, just extremely talented. Didn't make the team in 2010. And he reevaluated, reassessed made changes that he realized he needed to change and goes on and wins the Olympic gold medal two years later. I mean, that's just so incredibly admirable. And, and, um, you know, I respect that so much. Um, you know, I mean, there's so many things that I, I see in, in a lot of the lead athletes that, that, that I admire, that I admire over the years. You know, I saw Missy Franklin walk on the deck for the first time in the, I think it was the 50 backstroke in Shanghai, you know, I think she was kind of pretty much in an end lane. You know, she definitely wasn't one of the top three seeds going into the final. I saw her walk out into the deck and I saw that smile on her face. And I'm like, how loose she was. I'm like, she's going to fucking win this thing, man. And she did. Um, and I was sitting behind Todd Schmitz a few rows back and, you know, I saw how crazy it was. And, and, and you just kind of knew like this was the something, you know, the beginning of something big. You know, so there's so many stories um, in swimming that that are just so memorable and special. Yeah, and, and there's also an F bomb. Should I not have done that? I'm sorry. No, it's all good, man. It's, it's just, this is pure. This is what what it is. You know, we're not cutting anything out. Um, you know, there's parallels there too, right? You've had you've had instances where you felt like you're on top of the world in, in the business sense and, and what you're doing with the company. And then there's other times where, you know, you, you're looking and you're, and you're making changes and you're reassessing and you're trying to figure some things out. And, and kind of like what you said, you know, two years out of the Olympics where Matt Reeves kind of hit this, 
I wouldn't say rock bottom, but certainly a period of time where he had to reassess. You know, I think a couple of years ago, you were in a similar position with the business, right? Yeah, man. I, um, um, I mean, there's, there was, you know, a lot doing at the time, you know, from the outside looking in, you can see a company that, you know, is doing more clinics than anyone else. Um, you know, everything, you know, looks good. Uh, but we were losing money. Um, we were losing money and we were capable of, of so much more. And, um, yeah, I don't really want to go too much into that, but, um, we needed to, we needed to, uh, make some big changes, like big, big, big drastic changes. And a lot of it, um, had to do with me, you know, and, and how I, um, approach things and, and, um, and, and the people that were working here and, um, and, uh, you know, now we're doing, you know, more than twice as many events as we were doing, you know, two years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, the business is just in a, in a very, very different state, but it wasn't like small changes. You know, I mean, I was making, you know, small changes here and there, you know, three, four, five years ago, trying to get to where we are today. And it, it wasn't small changes that were needed. It was big, big, drastic changes. And, um, you know, so when I went through this period, you know, maybe two, three years ago, three years ago. I mean, I went to the extreme of even hiring a CEO to replace me that I basically reported to um, for several months. And, um, you know, I did it to, to take a step back and learn and, and see how he approached things. And, you know, what, what do I want to adapt? You know, what do I, you know, adopt for myself? And, and what do I not want to do? Um, and, um, and, uh, you know, I, I want, I went for big, big drastic changes because I wasn't going to lose, man. I wasn't going to not, you know what I mean? This is what I wanted to do. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want Fitter and Faster to be something that contributes to the swimming society, um, for as long as they're swimming mm. and it needed to, there were, it needed to get into a healthy place where it was, you know, profitable the clinicians were happy and they were making money. Our staff was happy and everybody's in a place where this thing can strive, uh, thrive. And, um, uh, so, you know, I went through a period of, of, of just trying major, major, major um, drastic changes and, and, and it succeeded. Well, I like what you said there in a couple of different things. The first thing you said is, you know, I looked at myself and, and I, and I realized I had to make some changes within me. And I think as athletes, that's where we end up in the end. Like we, we want to blame our coaches. We want to blame our situations, our finances, our, uh, you know, the, the conditions, the pool, whatever it is. We, we're looking around in the environment. We're trying to find blame or we're trying to find small changes where we can say, well, if it's, it's that little thing there and I can, I can just make that little change. And, and I'm not saying that those little changes are easy, but they're a little bit more comfortable than making big drastic changes. And then certainly more comfortable to lay blame or fault in, in other areas other than really looking in the mirror, you know? And I think as athletes, and I've done this myself, when I've had to make serious change 
you know, I missed the Olympic team in 96 by uh, three one hundredths of a second. And, mm. and then I said to myself, I can't do this again for four years. I've, I've got to do something drastically different. And I, and I end up moving to America and, and taking a chance on a team that I, I knew nothing about. And so, but, but also backing myself and looking, looking at myself in the mirror and, and, and saying, well, you know, you've got to do some things. So I can totally relate to where you were and what you were saying in that sense. And I think we can all, if we're honest with ourselves, we should all do that at some point. Um, you know, I, I know that Michael Phelps and Bob Bowman stayed together their whole careers. Right. But I still, Mm -hmm. I know for a fact from the inside, I know that they made drastic changes at, at, at certain times. They didn't break away from each other, but they had to turn things on their head. And it sounds like that's kind of what you did with fitter and faster. And now you're in a position where obviously things are, are, are clicking and they're very successful. So, yeah, thanks. You know, it, you know, it, it's funny because when you're, you know, I thought for a while I was making drastic changes. Oh, you know, and, um, and then I had to get real drastic, <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, uh, I, I think that's really important. And, um, you know, for me, um, you know, not doing the business anymore is just not an option. You know what I mean? It's just not, it's just, it was never an option. Um, you know, I, I just couldn't imagine waking up any day and having to work on something other than fitter and faster and contributing to the swimming community. Like it's just impossible for me to imagine a life like that. And and I would do any, like, I would do anything in my power to, to make sure that fitter and faster is healthy. Um, and, and that goes back to where, you know, what we were talking about before with, you know, about losing, everybody hates to lose, but I think at a certain point, there are people who do fold the cards. There are people who are okay with, you know, they might get upset, you know, with not having achieved their goal, but um, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. No, you're not. I know that for a fact, you know, talk us through your routines because in, in swimming and in high performance, there's routines that, you have to be, uh, you have to honor, right? Like you can't go out and, and stay up late and eat whatever you want. And, you know, you, you have to have these routines that are set and that you stick to no matter what's mm-hmm. going on around you. And I'm sure I know, I know for a fact in business and what you do, those routines are something that are, that are part of your daily life. So, Tell us what, without going into great detail, what does your, what does your day look like for you when it's in routine and when things are clicking? So I handwrite, um, I, I, I use an iPad and I use a, a note app and I handwrite my own calendar, you know, so I put the dates at the top of each page and I go out six months. Um, and, um, along the way I, you know, mark down things I should probably be thinking about at that point in the year. So I know where my head needs to be at that point. Um, 
and then and then I also write down, you know, I I I, I, I keep. I used to keep a very long list of to-do lists. And, and if you keep a very long to-do list, it never ends, right? So I keep short to-do lists for every single day. And, um, and then what I do is um, at the end of each day, I look at my to-do list for the next day. And um, I, you know, shuffle things around if they need to be shuffled around. And I never... I never leave my office at the end of each night without knowing exactly what I need to be doing the next day. And, um, and, uh, and then I'm always adding like little things, you know, there's always like little things that, that can, you know, distract you in the course of a work week that, you know, are important and should get done. But I, I, I'll schedule that stuff for the weekend and I'll wake up at like four 30 in the morning before my family's awake and I'll get that stuff done. And, um, you know, man, I just, I just know what I need to do when I need to do it. I, I only remember in my brain what I need to remember. Um, and, um, you know, I schedule time to think about certain things and, you know, so that will be on there and be like, Hey, you know, spend some time thinking today about whatever. You know, today I actually had one of those things and, and actually after we're off this call, I'll, I'll get back to it. And I'm just, you know, think about this one thing and, and then I'll create a plan around it and just, do it, you know? Yeah. Do you ever feel like you uh, are ashamed? Not ashamed. That's not the right word. But do you ever feel like you have to apologize for your success in, in a way? Like, you know, sometimes when you're an elite athlete and you're at the top of your game and you're dominating, you know, let's say like a Katie Ledecky, you know, like mm -hmm. people people are like, well, she's so good and she's so much better than everybody else. And, and you know, to perform, how, how does she get better? How does she hold herself accountable to getting better for her, even though she's dominating everybody else? But, you know, do you ever feel like that in business where you're, you are separating yourself from the pack and, and you have to, you know, it's almost like you're uncomfortable to be that good and, and to be that successful. Is, is that in, does that happen in business? Uh, no, I don't feel, um, I don't feel any of that. Um, I would say the closest thing to that is um, I, I, well, first of all, I, re I respect anybody who tries to compete with us and, and, and we're in a space that, you know, there was another swim clinic company um, and, and they're still around and um, they do a good job. Their, their approach is different and, and what they provide is different than what we do. And, and, and there's a market for it. Um, you know, I'm very, um, you know, but I don't feel like I ever have to apologize for what we've achieved because we're contributing and we're doing a good job. And, and, and I actually think that we've given people ideas to um, start their own businesses and whether they want to try to compete with us or, you know, have their own little niche events, um, you know, that's a great thing. And I think it's a terrific thing for the sport. Um, you know, I know that we've introduced some new people into the business side of the sport and, and, and it looks to be that they're having some success. And, and I think that's awesome. You know, I don't, I don't worry what, about what anyone else is doing. Um, you know, I, I try to understand what other people are doing just so that I could, you know, I like to understand things, but, um, you know, I think the, the closest thing about like, uh, you know, when you say apologizing for success, it's more like, 
something that I struggled with for a while was, you know, for a long time, it was, you know, just me and then it was a small team and then we added people. And, you know, as we encounter obstacles, like I've always been very comfortable with obstacles and overcoming them. And I feel that sometimes when we encounter an obstacle or an objection or something that may stop other people in their tracks because they've hit that obstacle, I feel like I sometimes have to over explain why that obstacle is really nothing major or how we're going to overcome it. And, and then I get caught up in that, you know what I mean? So it's like, and I, and then I feel like it just brings out strange emotions to me because I'm talking about things that I would just intuitively go around. Like I wouldn't even think about, mm. but it might rub someone else the wrong way. It might, or not the, not that it would rub them wrong way. It's just, I don't know. It's just like a dilemma in my, yeah. and probably in my own head. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, Absolutely. So what would you say, where's the company now? What are, you, what are we doing well, you think? And, and what, like if someone was looking from the outside in and never knew what fitter and faster was right now, how could you summarize what we're doing and what we're trying to achieve? Well, we, we um, this year we'll do over 250 swim camps um, throughout the United States. We'll be in at least 47 states. Um, this year, um, each time we go, we do a minimum of four sessions. Um, we, um, have limited session sizes, you know, most of our session sizes are up to about 36 participants at this point, you know, um, we have very good ratios of participants to clinicians, which is great because we're creating more opportunities for clinicians and you built an incredible, um, roster of of elite swimmers who also make great clinicians and you know you have a, a really good talent for that because um you understand that um just because you're an elite swimmer or an olympic gold medalist doesn't mean that you're going to be a great coach um and and a great teacher and um you've identified you know really successful swimmers who have achieved at so many different levels and and do a great job with leading these events yeah well thanks i appreciate it i i agree i think we have some amazing clinicians and, and teachers and people men and women working for us and you know sometimes it's maybe someone you've never heard of but they've gone on to swim at the university of texas or they they swim at you know university of tennessee or wherever it is or could be drexel anywhere but they've had really successful positive college careers they love the sport of swimming they they love to teach they want to give back they they've they've got degrees you know like they've gone through four years of college and done really well and and they just love the sport and they want to give back and so a lot of our teachers now are are just college graduates who um just want to be part of something and want to give back to the sport and they do a fantastic job and yeah and, and, and i think you've done a good job of putting the right clinicians in the right place you know what i mean and um 
you know, so we always have the right clinicians on the right events talking about the right things and teaching the right things and giving a world-class experience every single time we do an event. And that's what I love about running the company. You know, for me, it's like the ultimate game. Every day is a game, right? Like where, you know, it's not just about, you know, filling up the sessions and um, getting the next clinic. It's about making sure that each clinic is a world-class learning experience. I mean, I read every survey that comes back, you know, I, you know, like hearing the constructive feedback so that we can take it into consideration and see how we can do better. Um, I love the partnerships that we have with the coaches. There's always something to work on. And, and that's, and that's just what I love about, about what we do. It's just, to me, it's, it's challenging. It's hard work. And um, it's just, it's, it's fulfilling um, to just be able to, you know, constantly look to, you know, see areas that we can improve upon. Yeah. And take it to another level. Yeah. Well, it's an exciting year for us. It's the Olympic year for swimming and uh, it's exciting for fitter and faster. It's it's going to be our biggest year and a lot of really great camps and clinics coming up that are, that are already posted on the website and, people can go and attach to um you know i i've told you this and and, and i've said this publicly a, a couple of reasons why i started this podcast is because of uh, a, a lot to had to do with the death of kobe bryant and and his daughter and, and those other people that were in the helicopter and it just really inspired me to kind of start something that i that i i just wanted to give back i, I have so many great conversations with with you know business owners like you and coaches like Sergio Lopez and Matt Credich and, and, and Jack Roach and just incredible people. And, and then obviously I, I have a lot of dealings with top level swimmers. So, you know, my, my inspiration for this was, was Kobe Bryant. I know that you've had a very strong um, kind of affiliation and just respect and admiration for Kobe as well over the years that was separate from mine. You you have your own. And so what is what is Kobe? What did Kobe mean to you? And and you know what are some of the things you learned from him? Well, he was you know my favorite athlete. I mean, you know that. And um, you know, I really, I, I just felt the way he approached the game, and then his. Um, you know, professional career after basketball, um, very much in a way that I relate to. Um, and, and I just admired it. I just, I just admired his approach. I would, you know, um, I, I, you know, I would send his quotes to, to you and, and other members of our staff, you know, over many, many years, you know, dating back many, many years. Um, I just related to him and, and, and he was very philosophical. Um, he, he wanted to succeed. He wanted to win. He, um, I loved his drive and, um, there were, I just related to him on, on, on so many levels and, um, you know, particularly in retirement, um, you know, because it was fun, you know, for me, it was just, you know, fun to see him, you know, as a dad, you know, frankly. And, and that was something that, you know, you didn't see as much of, 
when he was a player, you know, you know, his daughters might come to a couple games, but there really wasn't, you know, much publicly there. And I'm sure he was a good dad, but you could definitely see that the relationship became strengthened as he had more time to spend with his family. And, and that's something that I really could relate to, you know, up until about three years ago when we had, oh, sorry, four years ago, it was my daughter's birthday yesterday. Um, you know, I, I would consider myself a good dad and, and, and present. Um, but I did travel a lot to get the business going and, you know, I'd go into the office, you know, real early. I always felt like I had to be the first one there and the last to go. And, and, um, you know, I had never taken my son to the bus stop except for the first day of school up until four years ago. And, you know, sometimes we'd eat dinner together as a family and, 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 and sometimes we wouldn't. And, you know, four years ago, you know, when we're talking about the big changes that we we're talking about before, you know, I realized that, you know, I, you know, as much as the business could ultimately be fulfilling for me, um, I need to be a good, I want to be a, I want to have a great family. I want to have, um, great relationship with my kids. And, um, you know, from that day forward, when, when we had our daughter, Olivia, you know, I started taking my, my son to the bus stop every day. You know, I take my son to school every single day. I, I wake up early, you know, sometime between four thirty and five thirty every single day. I do my work, um, get a few hours in, um, before school, then I eat, breakfast with my kids every day. And then um, I take my son to school or now I take him to swim practice a couple times a week. And, and I just love that time together. Um, I'm fortunate now to work from home. I realized that, you know, having an office for me wasn't the right thing. And um, I'm, I'm able to be extremely focused at home. I have my office and, and, and when the kids come home from school, I, I'm there, I give them a hug you know, I'm, I'm, I'm present for five, 10 minutes. If they want to tell me about their day, whatever it is, I go back to my office and, and I'm there and I'm, and I'm comfortable if there's an interruption and, and, um, you know, life's become a lot more fulfilling. You know, I look forward to, you know, I used to only look forward to working. I mean, honestly, I mean, and I still, I mean, I still, I mean, there's still times where, you know, I used to look forward to three-day weekends because I knew if I had competitors that my competitors probably wouldn't work the three-day weekend. I'd just be getting ahead. I'd invent competitors. You know, like I, I invent, like, you know, if I were to have a company that competed with ours, I know exactly what we would do. You know, it's like, you know, not that we have one that, that can do that. It's just, it's just, you know, how I think. And I, and I, and I used to only look forward to or primarily look forward to the next day of work. And, and getting ahead and doing the next thing. And, and I feel like one of the reasons why we're successful now is um, I have this more of this balance and, and, and balance is something that it's not a 50, 50 thing, you know, it's, it's being in the right place at the right time for the things that are important. And it can be an 80, 20 thing. It can be, you know, a 70, 30 thing. Um, but, but everybody's different, you know what I mean? And um, I feel like, you know, that's what I saw with Kobe. Um, you know, I really feel like he was um, really developing a, a wonderful relationship with his family. And he probably had that already, but it, it was more for the world to see. And, and, and the way he coached his daughter 
um, it was just a, a very special thing. I mean, I'm wearing a Mamba uh, Sports Academy sweatshirt right now. And I mean, I feel um, I really, I'd really admire about, um, I, I admired so much about him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said, man. I, li- I like the way you put all of that and some really good chunks of knowledge in there for, for a lot of young coaches and, and older coaches alike to, to get to understand yeah, what balance is. I like your perspective on balance. It doesn't mean 50-50, but certainly when you're there, you're you're present, you know, and uh, I think that's, I've seen that in your family and it's something that I admire in you that you're able to turn the switch off and then turn it back on when you need to. So, but, but yeah. when you're with I'm your always, son. You know, I'm always there, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. like if I'm with my family and, yeah. and something business related comes up or, or you know, I, I'm ready you know yeah. what I mean? Or mm-hmm. if I have an idea, my iPad's right there. I'm going to write something down. Yeah. Um, like I don't like there's, there, it's not compartmentalized, you know, and, but I find a way to make it work. And, um, you know, I think that that's, uh, you know, important for me. And, you know, one of the things that I struggle with for many years is just realizing that people are different. You know, people might say, Oh, I want success. Oh, I want this. I want that. I want the other thing but I think that people define things differently, you know, and, 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 and people's ultimately people's um, what they're willing to do is different, but it, it, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Yeah. I, I hope that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I've become better at realizing that um, not everybody is going to pursue their, their passions, their hobbies, their jobs, um, the same way as other people. Does that make sense? Mm, Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I see it in coaches. Not every coach coaches the same way. Uh, You know, they, but they, they can get success doing it different ways, but you know, a lot of them fail as well, but you know, I, I, I like it. I'd like the fact that when you are with your son, you're with your son, when you're with your daughter, you're with your, you're like, they really know that you care and they really know that you love them. And I think that's the most important thing, but, um, you know, you're always on top of your game when it comes to the business too. So that's what balance is for you. So it, it works and it's, and it's, and it's good, man. I like it. So love working for you and we've got work to do, so we're going to get back to it, but appreciate the chat and hopefully we can do it again sometime. Okay. Yeah, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, man. See ya.